we started this series we're on right now, I've got to be honest with you. You know, I, I, if you've been with us, the Lord laid it on my heart about six months ago as we came into the year. We were to come in with the prophetic in January. And then after January, we were to move into Kairos till Easter. Well, we're not going to make it. I'm just going to let you know. We're not, because Kairos has four stages. Let me, let me break down where we are. Kairos is a moment that changes every moment. And that's what God wants to do in our lives. Now, the best way for me to describe that for those that don't understand what I'm talking about or hadn't been with this series is this. When you were saved, you got saved, you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or when you get saved, if you're not saved yet, that was a moment that changed every other moment in your eternity. And a lot of people stop in their walk with the Lord at a salvational moment. And they're just happy being saved. But the Bible teaches us that, one, we are saved. That is your spirit. The minute you ask Jesus into your heart, your spirit is saved. Well, the problem is we still have a soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions. And we still live in a body which the enemy is going to try to take out every time he has an opportunity with death, disease. And if he doesn't get it that time, he's eventually, sin has changed the game from Adam and Eve, and we eventually get too old. All right? So the Bible says this, though, when we're saved, we were saved. That's your spirit was saved. But God doesn't want to leave the rest of you broken. All right? So the Bible says that we are being saved. That is your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotion. God wants you to be saved in that area of your life too. Now the thing about it is, a lot of people don't understand that God didn't just come to save. It says He came to seek and save. Alright, so He came to seek and save. So He wants to save your soul so you go to heaven. But then He can, wants to continue to do works in your life. That bring your, your now into Kairos moments that continue to change. That's why he said, I came to give life, that salvation, that says, and life abundantly. It means he wants you healed. He wants you whole. He wants you happy. He wants you free is the best way. He wants you delivered. He wants you to walk in life as what the Bible says, more than a conqueror. He just don't want you to win. He wants your life to be more than a winner. Well, how does that happen? It happens through Kairos moments, which is moments that change every moment. Encounters with God where everything changes. The way things used to be are no more. And things now are new. And the way that happens is, another way to describe it is, moments that God steps out of eternity into your now, which transforms your life for eternity in your future. And so... We're in this progression. And so what we're the thing about is another terminology for this Christian and church way of thinking is he wants you to be free. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in the book of John, it said Jesus was talking. He says, whom the son sets free is free indeed. He wants you to be free, to be happy, free to be well, free to be have peace, free to have joy, free in this life. To be able to be and live the way God's created you. The problem is most of us don't even realize that we can be saved and not be free. That's why and we're in this this kind of there are four steps to Kairos for what we're calling four steps to freedom. And number one was a God encounter. Now we call them Kairos moments because you need to understand something. Not every moment is the same. That's why I cannot afford to miss church. Because not every moment is the same. I can't afford not to gather where I know God's presence is. Because you can miss your moment. And you say, well, Cricket, I don't believe that. Well, Jesus told 500 followers to go to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Out of 500, 120 went. The 120 that were there, their world was rocked. 
The Bible says they were lit on fire and they received power when the Holy Spirit came into that area, that room, that moment. And when they walked out, they carried that with them. Now, the other 380, I don't know if they ever were filled with the Holy Spirit. But I do know this, that they missed that moment. And so, i got to be honest with you, not every moment is the same. I've been in some church services, and I didn't. I knew God was there because God inhabits the praises of His people. And I was in there because I knew God was, be, was there. But I walked out with good knowledge and was able to worship, praise the Lord. But it's like I didn't, um, it wasn't one of those moments that changed everything. Then I would be in a service that wasn't even that good, to be honest with you. And I can't even remember what the preacher was preaching, but I can tell you this. I walked out different. It was a rocking world in my life. God used that moment. Not every moment's the same. And the truth is this. I can't afford not to miss my moment. I can't, I mean, I can't afford to miss it. So if I know there could be a moment, I'm going to be there. Some people would rather play the lottery that way. They're not going to let there be a lottery drawing without them having at least a chance to win. I mean, I'm telling you that you're more powerful than any lottery jackpot is you being in the presence of God and that be your moment to rock your world, change your marriage, deliver your children. I mean, I'm telling you, not every moment's the same. And that's why Kairos starts with a encounter with God. Kairos don't happen, change don't happen, freedom don't happen without you encountering God. So we spent several weeks preaching on Kairos moments in the Bible of people that had that moment and what it looked like so we could help, help you understand what Kairos looks like. Then uh, the next step to Kairos is called deliverance. Now, I got a definition for deliverance for you. Can I read it to you? Um, this is actually the Webster's definition. And I'm messing Tanya up right now real bad because I'm going all the way to the end of my notes. <laughs> all right. All the way to the end of my notes to explain to you what deliverance is. This is the definition of deliverance. It says the act of delivering or the condition of being delivered. All right. A setting free, a rescue, or a release. A rescue from bondage or danger. A public expression, expressed opinion or judgment, such as the verdict of a, of a jury. The fact or state of being free. That's what deliverance is. Something had you bound and you were rescued. Something had you bound and you were set free. We're in the process in our journey with Carlos. We're in the process on step two right now. I thought by Easter we would be through all four steps, but we're not. Um, so we're going to be going on past Easter, just so you know. And after Easter, we're going to be bringing in different speakers to help us go through step three, which is inner healing. Every one of us have issues, things done, brokenness that we've been through, experiences that you've have happened to you, things that you didn't deserve, things that you should not have went through, but it has scarred you, hurt you, wounded you. And I'm going to be honest with you. You're never going to be free till that's healed. And it's no respect to a person. If you were born on this planet, you have inner wounds. And so we're going to be going into that after Easter. We're going to be staying on the deliverance side to Easter. But then the fourth step in Kairos is the Bible says that if you empty a house and you get it in order and sweep it and get it clean, but you don't fill it. And it, the thing, the spirit comes back and the house is not full. It moves back in. God doesn't want to let you go back into what you've been, what he delivered you from. He wants to heal you, fill you and set you free. And so that's what we're in the process of taking place. So if you're if you're jumping in with this today on there, that's our goal over the next several weeks is we are going to be going through those four major components, saying all of that to say this is where we are today. We're in the middle of deliverance. And you say, well, cricket, I don't need delivered. Well, um, there were a lot of people in the Bible thought the same thing. And so let me I want to pull out Tanya. I'm just messing you up, aren't I? <laughs> we can go to John. And uh, I want to explain to you because this is one of the ways the enemy really fights people. He really fights people to make them think that you, just because you're saved, you're set free. But there are Christians that are still depressed. There are still Christians on medication to try to just get through the day without suicidal thoughts. There are people that are saved that are still addicted to drugs. There's uh, 
Christians that are saved that are still dealing with sexual sins. There are, Christ, there are Christians still saved that are still dealing with bitterness, anger, uh, unhappiness, their anxiety. Their, you can still be saved and still be messed up. And the truth of the matter is, God doesn't just want to save you and get you to heaven. He wants to deliver you and set you free here on earth. So that you can be what God's made you to be. Why did you say, well, Kriger, what has God made me to be? He's made you to be healed. Do you know why? Heal people, heal people. Sick people, get people sick. Hurt people, hurt people. And God's plan for your life is for you to be used as a vessel of His will to step into your life and you heal your family and you heal those on your job and you heal and you set free those. But you can't be anything or you can't lead anybody somewhere you've never been. And so Jesus was actually talking to His disciples, it says one day. I'm going back into last week's notes, Tanya. You might have to jump there for me if you've got it there. Where He came and said, it says, He came to those that believed in Him and were his disciples, and he said to them, Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And this is what the Bible says. They said, What do you mean? We have never been in bondage to anyone. Well, there in John it says this. They were Jews, and they were his disciples. So just the fact that it's saying they were Jews means they were in bondage. The Jews were in bondage in Egypt for 400 years. They were in bondage to the Assyrians. They were in bondage to the Babylonians. They were in bondage to the Egyptians. If you read any part of the Old Testament for very long, you're going to see the Jews were in bondage basically from the very beginning. And what's crazy about the statement they made there was this, that when they told Jesus we have never been in bondage, they were telling Jesus that while they were still under Roman bondage, because the Jews were believing that God would send the Messiah to set them free from the Roman rule. They were captured and under the authority. They were in bondage to the Romans. And so they were believing in Jesus to set them free. So how deceived could they be to Jesus was there to set them free? And they're saying, we don't need to be set free, but they were Bound by things right then. So this brings up the understanding that can you be saved and still be in bondage by the enemy? Absolutely. If you need more teaching on that, go back a couple weeks on our Facebook page. That's what we talk. Can Christians be under the bondage of demonic spirits and of the devil? And the answer is yes. Jesus taught it through his teachings and came to set those that were saved and believed in him free. So... With that understanding, we began to teach out of Mark chapter 5, where the Bible says, when Jesus showed up on the shore, that there came a young man that was possessed by demons. Now, that word possessed gets people upset. Well, understand the New Testament's written in Greek. There are two words in the Greek language, like we have one word for things. Greek has multiple words for our same words, like the word love. To us means love. We say, I love pizza and I love Jesus, but they mean two totally different things. The Greek have seven words for the word love. They have two words for the word possess. And they're used in the New Testament. One means ownership of. We do not believe a Christian can be owned by a demon. You, when you ask Jesus to be Lord of your life, He owns you. He's your Lord. Alright, but we, the other word in the New Testament for possession is to have mastery over, to rule over, to have in bondage, or to be under the influence of. So, can a Christian be under the influence of a demonic spirit? Yes. And go back if you want to go through that teaching. We see this young boy, and I believe, and I'm putting this out there for you, that you can disagree with me, but I'm going to be honest with you. I've been saved for quite a long time now, and I can tell you this, when I got saved... I still had issues. And I've been saved for a long time and I'm still, I still got issues. There's some people I don't like. There's things I have a hard time forgiving people for and nobody in here, just so you know that. Alright, but there's a lot of issues that I'm still dealing with because every day God is setting me freer and freer. But God wants us to be free. 
So when you read that story about that, I, I believe this. I believe the demoniac boy in Mark chapter 5 was what we would call a church boy. Because we know what he came from. We know his family came from a Jewish village, which would have been believers in God. They weren't necessarily believers in Jesus, but also know this about the demoniac boy. When he saw Jesus, he recognized him. He recognized him as the son of God and he ran and worshiped him. And so here we, I see that we have a boy that had, was under bondage of demonic spirits. But I still believe he's a If you have a hard time grasping that concept, let me jump to a different lady. The woman that sat at the well. That Jesus went to Samaria to deliver. When he got there, we call her the woman at the well because we a lot of times like to say that she was a sinner. She'd been divorced five times and was shacking up with the guy she was living with. Then we would consider that. I'm here to tell you, she was a church girl. Because the Bible says this, when Jesus said, you know, uh, when she recognized that, when Jesus told her about her past, she recognized he was a prophet. She said this, let me ask you a question. You worship in the synagogue. We worship on the mountaintop. She was a church girl. And so the thing about it is there are Christians that believers, people that are saved that sit in churches and they don't believe that a Christian can be under demonic influence or demonic Bondage, and so they're suffering as a believer when the ability to be set free is available to them. So the way deliverance works, uh, freedom works, is first we gotta get free. Thing about it is, if you don't believe you can be under bondage or under the influence of a demonic spirit, you'll be just like the young boy in Mark chapter five. It says he would, they would put him in chains, he would break free. But then they would put him back in chains again. It says they would put him in chains often. And he would break free. And i got to be honest with you, there have been times in my life that that was me exactly. I was saved. I was doing everything I wanted to do to serve the Lord. But it was like the demonic spirits that would try to put me in bondage would chain me to things. And I would want to be free and I would want to be free. And I would break free. But because I wasn't delivered, I would be put back in in just a matter of time the same issues that I was dealing with. But that's not God's will. When Jesus met this boy, he kicked the demonic spirits out of his life. I'm here to tell you, you can be free. You can be a Christian and not be depressed. You can be a Christian and not be addicted. You can be a Christian and not be hurt and so bitter on the inside and so wounded on the inside. You can be, as Jesus said, free indeed. Free to be happy. Free to be successful. Free to have be full of joy. Free to live in peace. Free to be all that you dream to be. So that's what we're on. We're on the concept of that. So we're in the deliverance aspect of it. So what do we do? We started a couple weeks ago. Um, and you can go back if you I am recapping because where we're going today is a very serious issue. So I need to recap and build back to where we are. How does the demonic spirits put believers in bondage? The Bible says that the demonic spirits are in Joel chapter 2 verse 9 says they run on walls, they run through the city, they look for doors, and they come in through windows. Meaning this, demonic spirits in a believer's life can come into your life if they have an entrance way. If they have an entrance way. We can open doors in our life that allow demonic oppression or if you want to call it oppression or demonic bondages into our situations. And the thing about it is this. They will stay as long as you let them. They don't mind being quiet during a church service while you're sitting in here. But when you get out of there, they pull you right back into the same mess you were in before you walked into one. They, they, they will stay, they're squatters. They first move on the back of your property, then they move into your attic, then they move into your bedroom, and then eventually they take over your whole house if you allow them to stay there. So Jesus did not intend for that to be that way. The, the, uh, with the young gentleman in Mark chapter 5, or, uh, the, yeah, Mark chapter 5, the, he had all those demons. You know, isn't it amazing? That God did not say, you're saved and I forgive you. He just cast the demon out. Why would Jesus have let him still be going to hell 
if he wasn't already a believer. Woman at the well. Did you know he never saved her? That's what the Bible said. That's what he said to her. He came so he could fill her. Now, there were people he encountered that Jesus came to save. Like when the gentleman was lowered in Luke to the ceiling, Jesus didn't come and say, you're healed. You know what he said? He said, your sins were forgiven. A salvational thing took care of the physical issues in his life. But the woman at the well, he didn't save. He said, I want to put a river of living water on the inside of you and you'll never be thought. I want to fill your life up. The young gentleman, he wanted to get the demonic spirits out. And then the next thing he told him to do is he said, I want to follow you. And Jesus said, no, no, no. First, before you get into where you're going, we need to fix what was messed up in the past. Go back to your house and tell everybody in your house of the mercies of the Lord. People only need mercies of the Lord when they, they're guilty if they've done something wrong. So there were doors open in his life for those demonic spirits to have access to put him back into bondage. And we're in this series because I'm telling you, some people are sick and tired of being sick and tired. And there came a point in my life, I was sick and tired of being saved and going to heaven, but still being a mess here on earth. And so God, who the Bible says in the sunset's free, is free indeed. So we've been on this progression and we began to talk and teach out of the word what the Bible says. And I've got so here's my page. Praise God. All right. So. Here's where we are. We're in the process of deliverance, which means eviction, kicking out, getting rid of the demonic spirits that have been allowed access into our lives through windows and doors. Here are some signs that maybe you have a demonic spirit have been given access into your life. One is continual sin. If you have a continual sin that you don't want to do, but you constantly keep doing, no matter how bad you don't want to do it, you still do it, you'll repent, you'll get right with the Lord, but yet the next day you're back into this thing again. It's like you can't stop doing it. That's a sign that there could be a window or a door open in your life. In Genesis, this is what the Bible says. When Abel, um, when Cain killed Abel, the Bible, God told Abel this. It says, sin crouches at the door and waits. And when we give access by opening doors and opening windows in our life, demonic spirits come in and they do have no good intentions for us. They come in and they try to kill, steal, and destroy God's plan and will for your life. So there we talked about, you know, first is continual sin is a door open. If you've got, or not a door open, it's a sign that there could be a door open. If you have a continual sin that you just keep continuing, and no matter how many times you repent from it, you... Go right back into it. That's a sign that you're in spiritual bondage. Another sign that you're in spiritual bondage is if you have continual illness in your life. In the book of Luke, it says that, that there is a spirit of infirmity that can come upon it. It says there was a lady that had a spirit of infirmity on her. And so if every time you get over one thing, you've got another I'm not talking about you get a cold every cold season or you get the flu every flu season or, you know, if uh, you hang out with somebody with COVID, you get COVID. All right, no, I'm not talking about natural things. I'm talking about supernatural things that every time you turn around, you're having to have a doctor's diagnosis and they're telling you something else is going on. That's a sign. That's not a door. It's a sign that there could be demonic oppression in your life. Alright, then the next one is continued influence. In other words, what you expose yourself to constantly on a continual basis could be a sign that there is a demonic bondage in your life. For example, if you run around with people that are demonically bound, there's a pretty good chance that there's a door open in your life as well. Spirits jump on on people. I show you, well, it's the best way for me to say it like that. But when Mary was filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says the Spirit, Holy Spirit came upon her. Next person she came encounter with was Elizabeth, and the Bible says the Holy Spirit that was on Mary jumped on to Elizabeth, and the baby on the inside of her, John the Baptist, jumped. And when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, spirits can transfer. So that's why you just can't hang around with just anybody. 
told you that's why I don't let my kids just hang around with anybody. My kids pick their friends and they have to come to me for approval if we're going to allow them to be friends or not. Because I don't know what other houses got going on, but I do know I want to protect my children. We don't let my children, my girls, I got three daughters, we don't let them go spend the night at their friends' houses. Why? Because I have no idea what's behind those doors at that other house. And so I'm not going to expose my children to things that the enemy would try to use to destroy their future. You say, Craig, are you overprotective? Well, if I am, that's between me and God. He gave them to me. Okay? And He gave you yours. And the Bible says in Hebrews 13, 17, Obey them that have rule over you, yourselves, for they watch for your soul. Then it says that they may give an account on the day of judgment. Meaning God's going to hold me responsible for the one that I'm responsible for. So that's up to you. I'm telling you that what's up to me. Okay? So, but if you are running around with people, I'm telling you, if you run around with people that are, you know, constantly taking drugs. Number one AA rule is you got to cut off your companions. Cut off your, you're, if they're, if they're bound by addiction, it's a matter of time before you're bound by addiction. So you got to constantly look. The Bible says that there was this guy that was going to go cast out demons and there were the seven sons of Sceva. The seven guys went to cast out demons out of this one guy and they went to do it in the book of Acts. It says that dude jumped on them, whooped them, stripped them naked and wounded them and sent them off. That was a demonic spirit, it says, in him that jumped on them. So I'm telling you, what your exposure, that's what we talked about last week. You expose yourself to sorcery and witchcraft and things like that, there's pretty good sign there's a door open in your life. My kids, and I'm just going to tell you from my point of view, my kids will never read Harry Potter. That story's not worth enough for my children to be influenced or exposed to reading spells out of a book. My kids will, as long as I can keep them, they're not going to play Ouija boards. They're not going to do tarot card readings because those are doors. And what you influence your life with allows windows and doors to be open. And it's a sign. If you are calling psychics to get your future, that's a sign that there may be a door open in your life. For You want me to tell you where your future is written? In the Word of God. The Bible says Jesus found Himself... In the scripture, he saw, and I can tell you this, there are 7,000 prophecies, future tellers of your life in that word of God. And if you got to call a psychic to get somebody to tell you something else, that's a sign. I can tell you what the prophecy or future holds for you. You keep holding on to God and it's all going to turn out good for you because all things work together for good. So... Doors that are open. When we talked about those are signs, what is the first door that the enemy tries to use to open in your life is, let's go to John chapter, now I'm on your notes, Miss Tanya. John chapter 2 verse 16. It says this, For all that is in the world, alright, one translates, for all those of the world, okay? It says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh... The lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father. This is not from God. These are not godly things. It says, but of this world. These are doors that we can open in our lives that would allow demonic oppression or demonic bondage into our lives. These three things. So these are three ways that, that and these are the, as a matter of fact, these are the three ways that the devil tried to come into Jesus' life. When he was in the wilderness, he came against the devil at these three doors. What I love about it is, when he came to death, the Jesus at these three doors, Jesus had already locked those doors with the Word of God. He had already had them on. The devil could not get into his life because the doors, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and the lust of the eyes were already closed. So that tells me this. When we close those doors in our life, the devil does not have permission to come in. You say, well, does the devil get permission? Yes, you can give the devil permission to come into your life. The first way we talked about the devil having access into your life was the pride of life, which was the original sin the devil committed in heaven. He moved in pride and rose himself up against God, wanted to be as big or better than God. So when you usually see, hear this guy, the devil uses a door of pride to come into your life. People that say, well, I don't have pride and I'm proud of that, they got pride, okay? This is the biggest issue with pride is, it's deceptive. You can be in pride and not even know it. 
These are the signs of pride. Number one, you put your trust in your own strength. You put your trust in your own strength means you might you think you're strong enough to handle it. And we're gonna we'll bring this back up here in a little bit. When you think you're strong enough to handle, you think you're strong enough to be able to withstand, you think you're strong enough. That's see people say, Oh, I can resist the devil and he'll flee. That's only half that scripture. Don't live half truth. The Bible says, Submit yourself to God. Alright, so you put, you say, I can't do this without you, God. Then you have the power to resist the devil and he has to flee. So, thinking that you're strong enough to handle it on your own, you can do it. You're, you're a strong Christian. This is the way the devil gets most mature believers thinking they're strong enough and you can handle this sin. You can handle that drink. You can handle this. You can handle that. It's telling you it's a door. The next one is, uh, the sign of pride is that you, um, you trust in your own righteousness. In other words, the way you're living keeps the devil out. When I read the Bible enough and I pray enough, the devil can't mess with me. I'm here to tell you. That's your own righteousness. In the book of Job, the Bible says that the, the God was in heaven having a meeting. And he, he was talking to his angels and all of a sudden the devil shows up. And he said this. God says, where have you been? And then one time they said, where are you coming from? And he says, I am coming from the earth. I have been walking to and fro. You understand the devil walks around the earth every day looking for doors he can get in. Amen. Walking to and fro. Oh my goodness, we're going to speed up real fast. All right, to and fro, looking for doors to get in. Job had the, had the pride, the sin of, of self-righteousness. In verse 32, he talks about all the stuff he did do right and the stuff he didn't do that was wrong. And that was the door that gave the devil permission in his life. If you decide that you are a good enough person, the devil can't mess with you, that's the door open. Number three area of pride is this. The area of pride on uh, the aspect of your trust in your own wisdom. You're smart enough and you know how to do it. Your way is the only way. The spirit of pride. Then we talked about last week, the door opened of the lust of the eyes. When you take something that belongs to God... And you get something with it that you wanted. Adam and Eve took, wanted to be like God, so they went and took something that was God's. And it opened a door for the demonic spirits in their life. This week we're going to hit real quick, and it's not a long one. That's why I've kind of recapped so much, but it is a very hard one. We're going to talk about the lust of the flesh. We're just going to read one area in the Scripture. But I'm telling you, this is one of the most serious doors a Christian or believer can open in their life. Now, let me tell you about next week, because after this week, you might not come back. <laughs> next week, probably the most important message in this series we're doing. Um, in Romans chapter 7, verse 18, it says this, For I know that in me, there, in my flesh, it says, no good dwells. So, that means there's no good in our flesh. It says this, For to will is present with me. But to, but how to perform that which is good, I do not find. That's weird because he says, I want to do what's right. But there's no good thing that dwells. All right, you saw it says dwells? That means that something has the ability to live there. But good isn't. Good doesn't dwell in our flesh. Something else does. You need to understand this. So what dwells in there? Then if you go over to this, what we're talking about next week, 2 Corinthians 10.3, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. Strongholds. Next week, we're moving off of different demonic spirits. We're going to move to what's holding your life captive and keeping you from being able to go forward. And the Bible calls it a stronghold. What a stronghold is, is a pattern of thought that is demonically reinforced in your life that demands an act uh, that causes you to take an action which demands a reaction and then it's a cycle. And so every one of us have strongholds into our life. What a stronghold is is something just like the picture of a stronghold is of a tower. And until you understand what a stronghold and you begin to tear it down in your life, you're never going to be free. Because just like a tower, a stronghold, a fortress was built to protect itself, protect who is in it, the same tower that was built to protect the princess became the tower that became a prison that she lived in. 
Now you need to understand, that princess sitting in that tower waiting for a knight in shining armor to set her free, Jesus has already come to set us free. So when we understand how to tear down strongholds in your life, what once protected you now has imprisoned you. God, you can't seem to break out of this thing. You need to know how to tear down a stronghold, and we're going to deal with that next week. This week, we've got to deal with the lust of the flesh, and it's very important. So if you go to, we're just going to stick in this one area. I should be done in just a couple minutes, but you need to understand the seriousness of this. If we turn to Proverbs chapter 7, we're just going to do this chapter. This chapter was written by King Solomon. King Solomon was the wisest man on the earth, and he starts this thing warning his son about what could take place. And then he goes into a story in this chapter explaining what he saw and what happened. Now, he's going to use the word uh, woman in here a lot. You need to understand that when things like this in the Bible are mentioned, like there was a woman in the Old Testament named Jezebel, but she died. But Jezebel's name is used in Revelations as the spirit of Jezebel. The same spirit that possessed her will show back up in Revelations. Remember we talked about, and you can go back and listen to it, when we talked about when Paul said, be careful with what the prophets say will come upon you. And then we went to where the prophets, he professed and says, beware of the Chaldeans. The Chaldeans died in 538 B.C. So why was he talking about them? Because he wasn't talking about physically them. He's talking about the spirit that was possessing or in bond, had them in bondage. Here, this scripture, Proverbs 7, Solomon perceived something and then he begins to explain to his son what he saw and the effects it has in his life. And he's talking about the spirit of lust. Here we go. It says, my son, keep my words and I tre- and treasure my commandments within you. Keep my commandments and live. This door, you need to understand, this door is more than just bondage. This door will end in death. This door gives you the choice whether you're going to have life or you're going to have death. He says, and keep my commandments and live. Choose to have a life. Choose to live. And he said this, and my law as the apple of your eye. Now, he brings eye up here very importantly because in our lives, just like we have windows, we also have gates. There is the eye gate, the ear gate, and the mouth gate. And the devil will use these gates in our lives to try to destroy you. The Bible says, Jesus said this. He said, upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not be able to prevail. Here he brings up my, this, this law that I'm about to tell you needs to be a gate. And because the eye gate is the way this thing's going to try to come in. The spirit of lust will try to come in through the eye gate of your life. What you allow yourselves to look at will determine whether a demonic spirit has access into your life. It says, bind them on your fingers, write them on the tablet of your heart, say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your nearest kin. When this door is closed, wisdom and understanding exist in your life. When you allow this door to be open, you are giving up the understanding and wisdom it takes to have a good life and succeed. So when this spirit is there, there is an absence of wisdom and understanding. It says they, that they may keep you from an immoral woman. All right, So it's not calling women bad here. We're moving into the process of a spirit that he's about to describe. It says, for the seductress who flatters... With her words. It's a spirit. I'm telling you, you can say, well, this is just about a prostitute or, or a seducer. No, this is a spirit. It's the spirit of lust. Let's break it on down and go. It says, for at the window of my house. Now, Solomon begins to tell a story. He was sitting in his throne room and he was looking out a window and he saw this take place. It says, for at the window of my house, I looked through the lattice and saw among the simple, I perceived among youths. It says, a young man devout of understanding. What happens when you allow this door to be open in your life? You're giving up. Remember, it said wisdom and understanding. This guy had already opened the door to this spirit in his life. He was devout of understanding. It says, passing along the street near the corner. He took the path to her house. You need to understand something. The king realized that this didn't just pop up and get him. This dude started in a direction Going that way. 
All right, there. He didn't just, oh, well, the devil popped up and made me do it. No, it said, I saw the guy get on the path. This way, in other words, there's a way that I can start living that will open this door up for this demonic spirit to come into my life. I can get on the wrong road doing the wrong thing at the wrong time. And it opens up. You can get on the path. You start down this thing. It doesn't just pop up. You make a choice to start going that way. It says, in the, it says, um, passed along the street near the corner and he took the path to her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and in the dark of night. This spirit has access and is more easily accessed, not necessarily only, but at night. How many times I say the best thing you can do is when you wake up in the middle of the night and can't sleep is to get your Bible and pray. Because if you don't, this spirit will try to get you to move into things that you should not be into. You that will open doors up into your life that has huge consequences for you. Not saying that you just can't do it during, but at night when you don't think anybody can see, when nobody else is paying attention, I'm telling you, you're vulnerable to this door being opened into your life. And it says, and there a woman met him with the attire of a harlot and the crafty and a crafty heart. Alright, again, we're not talking about women, we're talking about a spirit, but I'm here to tell you this. In this spirit, this spirit can come at people through the door of one, being the one that the spirit uses, and also being the one that the spirit attacks. In other words, women, men battle this spirit more than women do in this area of sexual immature immorality. Now, I'm not saying that when I know some women that can't walk into a department store and this spirit not come on them and they have to have everything in that store to the point of detriment to their finances. It's a desire and a drive. God gave us desires on the inside of us to drive us toward the direction. He gave you the desires of your heart, it says. But the enemy wants to take and pervert desires inside of us, take them outside of God's plan of them being used and put you into a place called lust. And when lust is entered into, it begins to be destruction. Whether it be lust for food, whether it be lust for stuff at a store, whether it be lust for the opposite sex. It says this, it says, Passing along her streets near her corner, he took the path, walked the twilight, I said, then a woman dressed. So, saying this, women, you need to understand, enemies after men this way. My girls, I got three teenage girls, and they're, they're getting to the age where they want to dress trendy, and they want to dress cool. There's a difference in trendy and cool and inappropriate. And my girls dress very appropriate because they have a, their mom is very modest, but because they have friends that dress seductively and things like that. If, if the clothes accentuates a woman's body, I'm telling you, the enemy's trying to use that to cause a man to fail. It's not the woman's fault. I'm saying this is a spirit. But my daughters, I'm not going to allow a door to be opened in their life because of an outfit they think is cool. I can find another outfit that's just as cool, that's modest too. Alright? So, it says, she, clothing had something said, but she was loud and rebellious, and her feet would not stay at home. If we've ever lived in a time of history that the spirit of lust is loud and rebellious, it's now. You cannot turn on a computer or a TV without the spirit of lust yelling at you and your kin and your family and your kids. You can't even check your email. I'm about to tell my age, but I am. I have a Yahoo email account. And there was a day that that was a safe account. But i got to be honest, I can't even go check my email on a computer without there being a sidebar of a woman. They're trying to get me to click on a site to draw me into this thing. The lust, the spirit of lust is louder and more rebellious now than we have ever seen it before in history. And you need to understand the devil is getting louder with it because this is a true demonic spirit that is going to destroy you and anyone that allows it to come in. It says loud and rebellious. It says at times she is outside. At times she's in the open square lurking at every corner. I I tell you, I'm so concerned now because when I was growing up, to actually enter into this, you had to go buy a magazine. Now you can walk around 
with the access to this demonic spirit in your pocket. And our kids have them. The spirit, this, uh, he, it's everywhere. So you need to be aware. The spirit of lust is everywhere. It says that she's in the city, she's outside. Just because you, that your kids are hanging out with Christian kids doesn't mean the spirit of lust is not going to be there. You need to be aware. Parents, you, I can't even watch a, a, a show hardly anymore without there being a sexual agenda pushed through that TV show. I mean, whether it be for homosexuality, whether it be for sexual whatever that word that uh, promiscuous or just outright nudity on TV, I got to be honest, it's everywhere. It's everywhere, and the reason why it's everywhere is because this is a demonic spirit that is trying to destroy your life. Says she caught him and she kissed him. Now, who don't like to be kissed? I'm going to be honest with you. I, you don't like to be kissed? You ain't met the right man yet. I, I got to be honest with you. Growing up, when I was a youth pastor, I used to love, I mean, you know what I'm saying? I, I'd tell my kids, because um, I didn't get married until I was 30, I, I would be dating something, and the kids would all be like, oh, you want to kiss her? I'd kiss her. And uh, they'd be like, oh, you kiss her. Because the truth is this, um, and I would use the scripture, the Bible says, greet your brother with the holy kiss. All right? Uh, you can twist that. I'd say, I... The thing about it, see, this spirit says this. Who doesn't love to be kissed? This spirit wants to get in and make you feel good. That's the, the doorway this demonic spirit uses. He wants to get in and make you feel good. And so this is what it says. So she kissed him. With an imprudent face, she said to him, now this is where it starts getting real dangerous. I have a peace offering with me. Today, I have paid my vows. This is what she said. It's going to be okay. Because I've already, today I paid my, I already went and got things right with God. And when we're done, I have a peace offering that I'm going to go make right with the Lord when we're done. This spirit will convince you that we can do it and ask for forgiveness later. You've got to understand that that's the voice of a demonic spirit. If you knowingly are going to ask God to forgive you for something later. You need to understand there's a demonic spirit having access in your life. She came, she already got things right with God. Went and paid, you know, paid her vows there, but then she had some for later so she can make it right with God later. It says, so it's going to be okay. Then it says this, I have spread my, it says, so I came out to meet you diligently to seek your face. This thing is very aggressive. I mean, it'll go after you night or day. The minute you allow yourself to go idle, you will find yourself fighting it. it says, God, I have, and I have found you. I have spread my bed with tapestry, colored coverings of Egypt linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. In other words, I've gotten everything ready. This spirit will make you begin to make plans and prepare to do these things. You will start setting time in your schedule to be able to carry out these actions. You will make sure that there's lots of time in your life that no one knows about and you're not accountable to. There'll be times that, and you know, this is a demonic spirit. It says it, it took time to prepare it. It says, come let us take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. And the demonic spirit will tell you that it's love and it's okay when it's not love and it's not okay. The world even calls um, this stuff called making love. That's not making love. That's moving in and being controlled by lust. God designed love to be in a marriage relationship. And anytime we step outside of that and we act on lust that way, it, you're deceived. That is not love. That is lust. I don't care what the world calls it. If there's no commitment to it afterwards, you're in lust. It's a demonic spirit into your life. Love has a commitment. It never fails. It sticks. So don't, don't commit yourself. Another one the enemy will commit you is, well, if God didn't want me and He didn't understand, He wouldn't have made me this way. Yes, He did. He gave you desires of your heart for you to use the way God gave you desires. Not to be used, 
by the demonic spirit. Here it says this, For my husband, now check that, it says, For my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him and will come home on the appointed day. She's trying to convince him, or she's trying to convince him he's going to get away with it. You're going to get away with it. The devil will tell you, you're going to get away with it. That nobody's going to know. Nobody's going to find out. That you're not going to have to pay for this thing. There's not going to be a payday. But you need to remember back how this story started. It says the king was watching out the window. You might can fool everybody else, but the king is watching through a window. And you're not going to get away with it. And if the enemy can convince you you are, you'll be the first one in history that ever has. No one has ever gotten away with this. Everyone has always been caught. And I've never met anybody that was glad they did. They, the price was so big that they wished they could go back. Then it says this. With her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. The devil doesn't give up. This demonic spirit will keep telling you. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay to you give in if you allow this demonic spirit to stay there. And immediately he went after her. Now check out what it begins to call him. It says, as an ox goes to slaughter. Or as a fool to correction of the stops. He either gets put in prison or destroys you. You either put in prison, demonic oppression and bondage, or it will kill you. It says, till an arrow struck his liver as a bird hastens to a snare. He did not know it would cost him his life. Now, let me tell you the history here. The king was watching this. Theologians believe that this actually took place. The king watched this out the window. And he said he did not know it cost him his life because the price for adultery in the, in the Old Testament was death. Theologians believe that Solomon took, watched this take place. The king saw it happen and he called him and her both in and they were both killed. You need to understand the price for this is death. You say, well, I don't agree with that. Read the rest and then we're done. This is it. Now, therefore, listen to me, children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. For she has cast down many wounded. Then check this out. It says, And all who were slain by her were strong men. These weren't weaklings. These weren't everyone that fell were strong men. She's taken down giants. This spirit of lust. It says this, For her house... Check this out. This is very strong. Is the way to hell. Descending to the chambers of death. Constantly in the New Testament, the Bible says no adulterer and no fornicator will enter into the kingdom of God. If you're able to walk into this in your life, you need to question whether or not you're actually saved in the first place. Because this spirit if it's allowed to be into your life, is after more than just your marriage, just your finances. It's after your spirit, your eternity. And if you allow this thing to stay in your life, the New Testament says it will bring you to hell. The king says that it is the way to hell. So this spirit is worse to me than the other spirits that we've dealt with up to this point. Because you can still be saved and in bondage. This one says it will bring you to a point of you're not saved. And if you're able to walk in it, if this demonic spirit has access into your life now and it's present, you need to question whether or not I'm really saved in the first place. But so how do you deal with this? And how do we shut this door? The way you shut this door is number one, we take the... You know, out of every miracle Jesus committed or did in the New Testament. Everyone had been done in the Old Testament, except for one. There was one miracle that Jesus did, and Jesus constantly did this miracle in the New Testament that had never been done in the Old Testament, and that was cast a demon out. Why? Because without Jesus, you can't get this demon out. You're going to be suffering from this demon. The nice thing about it is, in the New Testament... Jesus was able to cast demons out. And then he said this, in my name, you will cast out demons. Tell me this, 
that if this demonic spirit's in my life, I can use the name of Jesus and cast it out. You say, well, Cricket, this is just me. I just battled this. No, don't be deceived. There's a demonic spirit in your life of lust. If you are walking in the area of lust, if you if pornography is a normal part of your life, if sexual things is a normal part of your life, if fornication and adultery is a normal part of your life, you need to understand that that is not who you are. God would have never made you that way. That is a demonic spirit in your life. And it is goal to send you to hell. And the Bible says, though, he's given us a remedy that we can take the authority of the name of Jesus and we can cast that demon out. The way you get set free from this is two ways. Number one, deliverance, casting that spirit out by the name of Jesus. And then number two, discipleship, you filling your life up with what God has intended your life to be. And that is how you get free. Come on out. Pray to him. I'm done. I want to pray with you right now. You say, Craig, this was a bad message. I know. So I told you about what we're preaching about next week. So hopefully you'll come back. But you need to understand that for you to truly be free, you need to be aware of what the enemy has done into your life. G.I. Joe always said this. Now you know. And knowing is half the battle. I'm here to tell you the authority of Jesus is stronger than any demonic spirit, any demonic pressure, any demonic bondage that you have ever had in your life. And when we take the authority of Jesus that He has freely given us and we bind, the Bible says what we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. That's what we bind on earth in the supernatural world will be bound. The Bible says you can cast a strong man out of a house. We can bind this demon this demonic spirit that's had access into your life, and it will leave. And I'm telling you this, that uncontrollable urge, that desire, that burnt on the inside of you will be gone. And it will take it from something you've not been able to control because it was a demonic spirit in your life back and give you the choice whether or not you want to move back into it. Remember the first of that chapter said this, choose life. See, when the spirit is there, you don't have the choice. But once you take the authority that Jesus has given you and you step into deliverance, the choice is given back to you whether you're going to move back into that again. The Bible says the spirit walks around. Uh, when you cast a strong man out of a house, it says, and the house is swept and put in order. Then after a time, the demonic spirit will come back. And if the house is empty, it says he'll move back in with seven of his buddies. See, that scripture about Mark 5 where it says he would break free and then be put back in chains and he was often put in chains. This kid got free a bunch of times, but he chose to go back into it. So that one that would have started with it turned into eight because he brought seven with him. How many times would he have had to do the same thing before he got to be 2,000? It became a habit in his life to get free and then made a choice to do get away with it again. I'm here to tell you, you can choose to be free and be free indeed. I didn't get married till I was 30. And I'm not going to pretend this ain't a battle. That wasn't and isn't a battle for me. I'm a guy too. The thing about it was this. I realized that it was my choice whether I choose to be free or not. But if I chose to let this demon in my life, I would never live free. And I would always be in bondage. And it would eventually destroy my marriage, destroy my finances, destroy it. So I had to make the choice that I'm going to choose to live free. But I couldn't choose to live free until you cast the demon out. I cast the demon out. Then I choose to live free. And then I filled my house up. Discipleship. You've got to stay in the presence and in the part of what the Word of God said. I can tell you this. If I got out of my walk with the Lord for one day. I promise you that spirit would try to come back into my life and try to control what direction I'm going. And you can't afford to get out if you really want to be free. And so I'm going to do an altar call. And everybody, I'm not going to bring anybody up. I'm playing. <laughs> All right. What I want you to do right now, though, is doesn't say that you have to have the, do it up here. Because the last thing I want to do is to give the enemy a place. The Bible says don't give the devil a place. Don't give him a foothold in your life to cause embarrassment or anything or keep you from moving into freedom in this area. So I want to ask you where you're sitting to take the authority that Jesus has given you. And if you want to be free, let's cast this thing out. And when we cast this thing out, we're going to repent 
We're going to take the authority that Jesus gave us, cast them out by the authority of Jesus. And then we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to begin to fill these areas of our lives with better than what the Spirit had to offer. i got to be honest with you. The joy that I have in my life is better than the... You know how I picture this Spirit? I just tell you how crazy my mind is. You know what's Ghostbusters? Are you remember Slimer? I, Slimer was that green guy. And this is the thing about the Spirit. You remember Slimer loved to eat? And he would get into a kitchen. He'd just be throwing all that food in his mouth. And it would just fall in right out the bottom. And he could never get full. This demonic spirit in your life can never get full. That's why every time you satisfy, it, you need more and you need more and you need more. This is to me the slimiest demon the devil has because it will be something that will come in and control you that you can never satisfy the hunger. And it will take you to the next one and the next one and the next one to the point you're going to get somewhere where you're going to look back and you're so far from where God wanted your life that you see nothing but destruction from where you are today and you're going to think that there's no hope for you. I'm here to tell you there is hope for you. You bind him, you cast him out. The desire will leave. And then when you walk out of here, you make the choice that whatever it takes, I'm not going to open this window again. You want me to tell you? The only place in the Old Testament it says this, that a demonic spirit left was when David, Bible says, saw a demonic spirit would come upon him. And David would play the harp and the demonic spirit would leave. All right? Let me tell you a secret about this demonic spirit. There are certain atmospheres it cannot stay in. Let me tell you, you may give you a real secret as a married man, how to keep this one out of my, um, you know, try to do it sitting next to your wife. Try to watch that movie sitting next to your wife. Try to look at that stuff on your phone sitting next to your wife. I'm here to tell you, atmospheres will change whether or not this spirit has a right to be there or not. And so you got to make sure that once you cast it out, you decide to create an atmosphere. This morning at 7 o'clock, I was over at Andy's with some guys in the church. And man, it was so good. I needed that so much because the truth be told is the Bible says that we can confess our faults one to another. That we may be healed. thing about it is this. See, they used to teach in the church that accountability. Everybody needs an accountability partner. I don't believe in that. Because you know what accountability partners do in your life? It just gives you somebody else to hide something from. And the truth is this. Your wife can't be your accountability partner, men, in this area. Because when you fail, it hurts them. So, you've got to have someone besides your wife. So, who do you need? You need, the Bible says, confess your faults one to another. You need Christian men, women. You need Christian women that you can come to and you can confess your faults. Not sin. That word, people want, I don't want to know your sin. i got to be honest with you. I don't want to have to think about it. But what that word fault there means is this. The same word as fault line. Like earthquake fault on that San Andreas fault line. An area in your life that weakness could occur. And that if it does occur, like an earthquake there, would cause unreparable damage in those areas. I need to confess these areas where I have a weakness to so that the Bible says I may be healed. And so i got to have men in my life that I can sit with and be like, dude, I'm struggling this week on this area. Guy, man, that guy made me mad. Or I need to be able to confront weaknesses, not failures. I go to the Lord and confess my failure. The Bible says that I confess my sin. He is faithful and just. I don't want to know your failures. But if you're battling weakness, you need to get with the group of guys. We made it available in the early, first. Or we just decided that was so good over there the last two weeks that every Sunday at 7 o'clock, we're sitting over there drinking coffee. We would love for you to come hang out with us. And we're not preaching. We're not teaching. We're hanging out. Because you need to have a group of guys. And you say, well, that's early. I know. But that's before everybody else in life is going on too, usually on Sunday morning. You need to be able to just sit down and be you. Okay? So, man, if you're struggling in this area, every Sunday morning be over there with us. Andy's, coffee's cheap. Okay? Breakfast is good if you want to get good breakfast. But we got to get healed and delivered from this because I'm telling you, telling you that if you don't, you're never going to be free indeed. You can't imagine how good my marriage is. Because this demonic spirit doesn't have a right to be in my life. You can't imagine 
how when I sit and talk to my girls that I get to share with them what a godly man in their future will be like. Yeah, I love my daughters. Not having to worry about a girl walking by and their daddy looking over at it because one day their husband will do the same thing. This demonic spirit is not going to destroy my kids' future, my wife, or my ministry. But it will if you let it in. I'm here to tell you, it will. Do you know why David, theologians believe David, had the affair on his wife? Because his daddy had an affair on his wife. That's why David was left in the field when his brothers were called to be anointed. It was a generational thing. Don't think, don't think you dads that this is just going to stop with you. This ain't just your problem. David, dad, that's why David said, my mother has forsaken me and my father. He was an illegitimate son, is what theologians believe. And it wasn't ever dealt with. He saw his daddy do it, so he did it. And then when his son, Solomon, that was born out of that, Solomon was the born out of the affair. Solomon had the same issues in his life too. Telling you, dads, this is bigger. This is demonic. This is called generational curses. Generational spirits. It's a big deal. You say, Craig, you're taking long. I know it's 1230. I'm just wanting to make sure the Baptists get through ordering before we dismiss you, okay? But I want to bind this thing. You ready? And it works. The name of Jesus works. The name of Jesus works. I can truly say I am free. In this area in my life, not because I'm holy, is because I'm telling you, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. So I pray, Father God, I ask you to forgive me for the areas of lust that have opened windows into my life. God, I thank you that your word says you're faithful and you're just to forgive me of all my sins. And Lord, right now, I take the authority of Jesus. He said that I could take his name and in his name, I can cast out demons. So right now, I bind you, spirit of lust, off of my life. I cast you out of my life. I cast you out of my mind and out of my thoughts. I cast you out of the areas that you've tried to sneak in and get in and draw me into those paths. And right now, I close the door and declare, Satan, you have no right to be here. You are evicted from this moment forth. And I will not ever be okay with you being back again. God, I ask you to fill that area of my life with your spirit. Give me peace. Give me joy. Give me the fruits of the spirit that so overwhelmingly outweigh the desire to feed that itch anymore. I thank you, Lord, that you are delivering me and you are setting me free. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now look at me. There should be a feeling. You're saying, I, I can show you it through the scripture. We will as we go forward. There should be a feeling attached to freedom. And I'm going to be honest with you. In every year of my life that I've ever been set free, I felt it. And so I just want you to take a deep breath and let it out. Do you feel free? Do you know something changed? Because if you don't, then you need to take the authority in your life that Jesus has given you and cast this thing out. Because just like you can feel the desire, you should feel the freedom. And it's not a one-time deal. The Bible says He'll come back. There's a lot of times I have to bind the devil. Devil, I bind you in this area. I submit myself to God. And I bind you, Satan. You must go. Because you should be able to walk around and feel free. Just like you can walk around and feel lustful, you should feel freedom. And if you don't, I'm telling you, when you're alone, you get before the Lord and you cast that demon out of your life. Amen? You receive it? Guys, I'm sorry we went long. This is a serious deal. Next week won't be as long. We're dealing with strongholds. You will probably, I feel like, the greatest message in this series we're going to do. But it will set you free. It will change your life. And whom the sun sets free is what? Amen. We're going to live what God called us to. You're dismissed.